Hello again, Jordan here with On Mic with Jordan Rich, and today, another treat for me, and I know it'll be a treat for you. My guest is Ed Krasnick, Emmy-winning writer, he's an actor, he's a stand-up comic. You may have seen him on shows such as The Sopranos, Hot in Cleveland, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Just Shoot Me, Ellen, Dr. Katz, Conan, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Just a number of TV appearances. Recently, Ed worked with Judd Apatow on the HBO series Crashing. I've known this gentleman since we were both in high school, a couple of comedy fans who really love to do impressions and tell jokes and get people to laugh. Eddie made it his career, and he continues to do it so well on the West Coast and around the country. Along with all the TV and radio appearances, he's also been involved in podcasting for a while, and we're going to be talking about a new podcast that's really taking off called Dear Anxiety, which is having a lot of positive impact. So without further ado, my discussion with an old friend, a very funny and a very lovely guy, Mr. Ed Krasnick. Love doing this podcast because it's reunion time once again. An old, old friend and a dear friend, Ed Krasnick, joins us. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. When you say old, you're, you know, it used to be that it was sort of like a manner of speaking. <laughs> but now, when you say old, you really are talking old. All I'm right. Looking a, I'm looking at a fossil. <laughs> uh, that, that actually looks brand new when it stands next to me. Well, we have weathered many years separately, actually, on different coasts, but have stayed in touch. First of all, I'm so proud of you, and I mean that in every sense of the word because of your success and the creative work you've been doing in comedy and theater and elsewhere, which we'll talk about. Are you at a place now that you're saying, ha, ah, this is this is kind of a good place to be after all these years? Well, the thing is that, that you know, that's really good is that um, is that you finally get a get a sense of you know what what it is that I love to do and what it is that I want to do and and uh, what it is that I do best and that and those are the things that it takes a long time to to figure out um, and I think that uh, I think that learning that the things that you love the most are the things to follow and for a long time it feels like is it okay for me to do this is it okay for me to you know, I, I think I spent a lot of time surviving, mm-hmm. and that's what people try to do. It's like you survive in show business, and then you forget why it is you wanted to do it. <laughs> you keep coming back to yeah. it, and it really is stuff. Now, Jordan and I have have known each other since we were kids, since we were in, in grade school. And so I'm going to say for myself, the things that I loved back then are the things that I still love and the things that make me want to do, make me want to, you know, be in an expressive business, mm. expressive art form, like comedy and writing and, and hosting and, and doing things like that. And I'm going to guess that it's the same for you. Absolutely. The imprint happened early on and you and I discovered each other and became friends uh, because we shared a love of things, humorous and creative people. And uh, we're dating ourselves now. We used to memorize comedy albums, you know, those round black things that spin around. They're hot again now, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was I was thinking right off the bat of your one man show that I loved. And I saw it so many years ago, of course, but it's called I'm Not Perfect, and I think even now it sums up the path that you've taken. It's autobiographical. Talk a little bit about that show. Well, I, you know, I, I grew up like you did around, you know, around uh, three generations around. It's different than today, you know, for, for people listening. I mean, it was very common for people to have their grandparents and aunts and uncles and people who were living near you. And and so that's how I grew up in in Dorchester in the '60s and early '70s of uh, 
three generations of a Jewish family um, trying to live together. And there were pluses and minuses of that. Mm. But but the good news and something that we missed today is that there was a sense of community. And the community happened around the kitchen table where there was lots of food and lots of loudness and lots of crazy characters who were basically telling stories about their day or something that happened to them that week. But they were very good storytellers. They were just natural storytellers. And that's where I felt I belonged at that table, even though they may have been telling stories about, you know, a frustration or, or a tuna sandwich that they had in 1946. Either one was fine, and either one was really entertaining. And even for a little kid at the age of two or three, you start to get a sense of, you know, this is community. It's being brought together by stories and funny people. Funny people talking about their issues, the things that cause them, you know, problems. And that's what I grew up doing. And so that's what I grew up you know, being most used to, and that's what I—that's why I went into stand-up. Of course, in the show, I'm not perfect. You also reference uh, the impact of, say, Ed Sullivan on your early years and on your development. I think that's what makes you and people like you so funny and so, uh, shall we say, adept at humor, because you were able to witness the greats, the greats that came before us. The thing is, when the family changes around entertainment, and around watching a show like the Ed Sullivan Show, which was a you know a real quintessential variety show of television, and he even though he was you know <laughs> a strange person, <laughs> um, he hosted this show where they really did try to have everything for every member of the family. They had a rock act for the kids. They had uh, a, an opera singer for the parents. They had uh, a bear act for people who liked bears, mm. but they had they had crazy acts. And for me, like growing up and watching the Beatles or the Rolling Stones or the Doors, and and my sister too, who was seven years older than myself, it it brought us together. It brought us to life because we when people are watching the entertainers live, and I say when they're watching them live. There is something that brings you to life. Mm-hmm. And so it was a real, you know, unifying thing for me. And it was also just like, this is where I belong. Like, mm-hmm. this is what I want to do. And I'm, I was talking to, to this, uh, about this to someone, and I talked about this in the show. For, the show. for me, the Ed Sullivan Show was seminal for a couple of reasons. One, it brought my family together on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. We were all together. Two, um, it, it had an act called the Plate Spinner. And the plate spinner was a guy who spun plates on long rods. And if you have never seen this, you can go on YouTube and just put the plate spinner. It was a it was a, a kind of an act, and it was called the plate spinning act. And this guy came out and he spun plates. And then years later, after being through a lot of therapy, uh, I learned that this idea of trying to spin plates in your life yes. emotionally. Yes. And so I used that in the show watching the Ed Sullivan show and then realizing that I was a plate spinner, but I was an emotional plate spinner. I didn't want to let people fall. And so I was a, you know, a people pleaser and like a lot of people, I mean, not, this is not particular to me at all, but the idea of the plate spinner. So we started putting a show together, a solo show, and we toured around the country for almost five years Mm -hmm. and did it everywhere. Uh, Theaters, community centers, uh, schools, you name it, a pilot. We did all those things. Have you thought about doing uh, an updated uh, I'm Not Perfect with where uh, we are today? 
Yeah, that's an interesting question. I I uh, I, I might I might. That's it's a good idea. I I really always wanted to do it as a as a kind of Wonder Years uh, TV show. Um, I wanted to do it with a guy who's trying to bring up his own family, and he keeps going back to these these moments, these these pivotal moments. And for a while, I wrote this pilot called Both Sides Now, and it was about a guy who was trying to be hmm. kind of host his own life. He hmm. was the stage manager of his own life, and it was sort of like our town meets defending your life. And he could see, you know, like while trying to raise his teenage daughter, he would look and he would see, you know, him in a car going off to college with his parents and something funny that happened, but poignant that happened, and try to relate it to his own life. So, yeah, I mean... I had another show where I just tried to do it around Ed Sullivan. It was sort of like the, the old show American Dreams where the family sort of comes together around this this one event, this one thing that happens every Sunday night. But but at any rate, yeah, so I, as far as I'm not perfect, that kind of a structure of a show, I haven't really thought about that, but I've tried to do, uh, I've tried to think of things that that could be shows that come from it, from from that idea. Comedy is such a broad plane with a swath of possibilities. And uh, I think personally, as a fan, there's so much more on the comedy palette today. What's what's the state of comedy? I know this is a broad question here, but in your estimation, since you're in it every day and have been in it for years, give us a state of the union, if you will. Um, it's, it's, you know, what's happened through podcasting, through what you're doing right now, what your show is doing, you know, it's, it's it's come back to comedians speaking very personally to their audience. It's almost like what happened in the, uh, a long time ago when Mort Saul came into comedy and started changing the one line joke teller into somebody who talks more personally and also talks more personally about politics and about things that are going on in the world. And that happened in the late fifties and early sixties. Comedians used to come in a coat and tie and then through Lenny Bruce and Mort Saul and people like that, they started to comment on the world in a different way. And it wasn't it wasn't jokes. Um, it was about who are you as a person. Well, now it's about who are you as a person. Not only that, but who are you in your personal life, mm. and what struggles do you have, and how do you make that into comedy? And so that's what podcasting has become. It's 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 a completely personal experience. Mark Marin, who's a guy, you know, who I did right. stand up with for many years, uh, remember hanging out with him at Catcher Eisenstar Star in Boston. You know, he goes off and he does this, he does these interviews out of his garage. <laughs> and um, all of a sudden, and you can't believe that this has happened, but it, it, it did happen. All of a sudden, Obama is coming to his garage. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't all of a sudden, it was over a period of years, but Obama's coming to you. The president of the United States is coming to your garage, and it's not an easy garage to get to. <laughs> and and you're wondering, how is this happening? Well, he started speaking very personally about what was going on with him. And, you know, so comedy that way, mm. it's more about mental health. It's more about, you know, who am I as a person and how do I make that into comedy? And then people are all over the country are going into comedy classes, and they want to find out you know, how to transform, you know, Mrs. Maisel, how to transform their own life experiences into stand-up. And like the mm. Mrs. Maisel show on Amazon is, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And and so um, so I think it's become 
really personal, the, st- the state of comedy. And, of, and that – oh, go ahead. No, I was just to say, uh, finish your thought, but I've got a great segue based on what you're saying and a question about something you're doing now. But go ahead, finish. Well, yeah, that that is – that that's when I realized I was saying before, you know, how to be who you are and and bring in bring that into your into your comedy and learning about what you do. Well, I did a lot of therapy and I did a lot of um, self exploration, and some of it was for things that I was experiencing, and some of it was that uh, it was my own life. and And so I realized that there was a union of that kind of work and comedy. And I started calling it self-help comedy, and now it, you might call it transformational comedy. And that's we do a show every week, and it's it's mm-hmm. about the union of of mental health and comedy, wellness, well-being, emotional fitness, and comedy, um, and humor and emotion. That when you bring those two worlds together, and then you teach people things that they can do in their everyday life, practices to help them live easier, live happier, um, be well, and you have comedians deliver the message, Hmm. you're really, that then that's really, that's what I want to do. I mean, that's my whole world. Leaving the world, not just a happier place, but maybe a more balanced place. That brings me to the segue to Dear Anxiety, a new pod, relatively new podcast that you're uh, doing with another very fine individual, have you describe it. What I love about this is it's, it's real, as is just about everything you do professionally. It's you, it's real. Talk about Dear Anxiety and share that with us. Well, uh, there's a lady that I met years ago. Her name is Rini Jane, and she is an expert in, in applied positive psychology. And what applied positive psychology, she has a business called GoZen, G-O-Z-E-N dot com, where she helps all kinds of people, kids, parents. It's in 2,500 schools around the country. And what it is, is it's a program that teaches resilience skills, it teaches anxiety relief. It teaches uh, how to stress better. It teaches um, anger transformation. It teaches how to deal with thoughts and feelings, and that's what we have going on. Those are based. That's mm. basically what our, you know, part of what our lives is about. We know what physical fitness is. We don't know what emotional fitness is. So she started doing this company, and it was um, she started using animation to teach parents and kids how to, you know, how to how to use these science based skills, because it's really the science of happiness, the science of wellness. What happened years ago is that um, these these psychologists, these social scientists, they tried to study depression and because they wanted to figure out how to cure depression. And they studied it for many years. And what happened was they weren't getting a cure. They weren't being successful. And the reason why, why they weren't being successful is because they were studying the wrong thing. They weren't studying what makes people well. They were studying what makes people depressed. So they started to study what makes people well. And then they based, they, they scientifically studied it. And then they came up with interventions to help people be well. What is it that makes people well? And so they, they founded a field called hmm. Applied Positive Psychology. And it happened out of the University of Pennsylvania. And this woman, who I work with, studied with the father of applied positive psychology, Marty Seligman. And so we do this podcast together on iTunes called Dear Anxiety, and it's on Stitcher. It's wherever you get podcasts. It's every week. We study, we look at different topics. Uh, Today, we're going to do something on overwhelm. We've had procrastination. We've had um, anger. We've had... um, 
uh, depression. We've had we've had all, any issue you can think of, any life issue. You guys have a about. very good chemistry too, I must say, and I, I do a lot of this kind of stuff, and I really enjoy the the banter and and what you bring to it as sort of us. You're the public, you're the, uh, the people out there, and and you share with your audience uh, about yourself. I think it's great. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well, we, well, we're 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 learning, and it's it's a it's it's a good show. I mean, it's what's happening is that we're talking about your your personal lives. Everybody is the same. When it comes to mental health, we're all children. No one is a real expert. And it's a new practice for people. And part of it, and you've known this, you know, in your own life, is to start to become aware Mm. of what you're doing and what you're saying to yourself and what you're thinking so that you can make choices about how to do it so that it serves you better. I love the concept, and I love the fact that it's taking off, and not only you, but others are starting to get the message. We have a few minutes left before you have to run along, and you've worked with amazing people, and you've gotten to hang out with everyone from Larry David to Tony Soprano. Is it still a kick for you to get involved with somebody you might have watched on television as a youngster or somebody you might have uh, idolized? And if so, who's in the spotlight these days? Who are you working with that's really turning you on? Well, you know, I tell you, it it is. It always is. And then what happens is you think, wow, I'm going to be really intimidated by this person. And what happens is you actually start to feel really comfortable Mm. because the people that you love the most, you love them for a reason. And then you find out who they are, you know, as a person. And then, and then you start to realize they're, they're people and they have a lot of the same loves and interests and things that they care about that you do. They're really not different. And it, and it, it really lets them off the hook mm. and lets them be who they are when you just start talking to them like people. And even though there's this excitement, you realize, you know, when you're talking to Lily Tomlin and you're hanging out with her, you realize she's a person right. <laughs> and, and she's full of life and, you know, can talk about so many things in such a great way. The person that I'm trying to sort of reconnect with is David Chase, um, who created The Sopranos. He has a film coming out that's a prequel to The Sopranos, and he's doing it right now. And I used to be friends with David Chase, and that's how I got on the show. And David is a huge fan of comedy and very astute about comedy and loves comedy. So we used to talk about the Ed Sullivan show all the time. And and um, so he was creating a show years ago with Mark Helgenberg for CBS. It was a small town show, and I was going to be the doctor in the town, but I was going to talk like Ed Sullivan. <laughs> and um, so that's how we what would it, What would the doctor sound like as Ed Sullivan? Well, come on. Now, you cough. <laughs> now, all right. You remind me of Sandler and Young. <laughs> One sang in French, the other in English, in any language, sakez-vous. Um, <laughs> it was all, all right, cough. Would David Chase then be the appropriate guy to get the I'm Not Perfect movie up and running and produced for widescreen well, distribution? W- well, you know, I've talked to him about, about shows. I talked to him about shows a long time ago, but I, I have other things that I, you know, that I, that I want to talk about. I want to figure out how to do this this guy who is the stage manager of his own life and sort of um, has these memory flashes. And um, yeah, so so that kind of stuff. But I, I've pitched shows to him a long time ago. But yeah, getting getting back in touch with a guy like that. Um, and then also 
uh, Larry David and Mark Marin and people like that. Mm-hmm. I just and we tried to do a show with Bobcat Goldthwait uh, with a very funny comedian named Eddie Pepitone, mm-hmm. and that's a really cool show. The guy was a was an Uber driver, and he had these flights of fancy that would go on in his head, and they would be sketches, sort of like the old Chappelle show in a way. Mm-hmm. So we did that, and you know, trying to connect with him again on another another show. Well, edkrasnick.com is where people can get a beat on what you're up to, which is a lot. So much creative stuff flowing and, and flowing so beautifully. I want to close out, though, with what I think is on television, your tour de force, or one of them, in a show called Just Shoot Me, when you portrayed, let's put it this way, someone who at least the audience thought, or you thought, or the characters thought was a rather famous director. You were nominated for an Emmy, if I'm not mistaken, weren't you, for the Woody yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, that was a. I was really lucky. Um, it was great. Steve Levitan, who is the executive producer of Modern Family, wrote a script, and it was based on. I knew the writers on the show, and they were looking for another character, and uh, I did an impression of Woody Allen. I didn't do it in my act, but I always, you know, was inspired by him, as I know you were, and um, so I did an impression of him for Steve one day, and he. Three months later, I got a script, and the script was an episode about a guy who thought he was Woody Allen, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 it was a full. I mean, it was like the script with the show was about this guy, and so uh, just shoot me at the time was a new show, and they were going to be picked up for a second season, and so I went in and I got to be this guy who thought he was Woody Allen, and. And then Woody, we sent it to Woody Allen, and Woody Allen actually sent his, he was going to be on camera, he couldn't make it, but he sent a tape of his voice. And so in one of the scenes, she, uh, Laura Sanchicomo, um, who played the character of Maya on the show, she answers a phone call, and, and it's, it's, it's the real Woody Allen. <laughs> and I'm standing next to her. And so we did the show that way. And we had to listen to Woody Allen try to be Woody Allen (laughs) because he doesn't really talk like that. Uh, Of course. Right. So, so he has, you know, so he's, we get a tape and the tape is, it sounds like there's a, okay, is my, is Maya there, please? You're thinking, who is that? And then then all of a sudden he goes, okay, you know, is Maya there? Maya Gallo, please. Maya, you know, and all of a sudden it's Woody Allen. That's that. That's what we did. Well, if it, we had numerous hours, we would just talk to you about numerous projects. So many of them, so many great uh, stand-up roles, impressions, acting, writing. But uh, I'm again. I started this podcast by saying how proud I am to know you're doing so well, and how happy I am to remain a lifelong friend of somebody who's uh, so cool and and also helping other people. You're the best man. Thank you, thank you. And I and I'll, I'll tell you, it's. Uh, I feel the same about you. I'm very proud of the work that you've done in media and radio and what you've done in your life and what you continue to do and how active you are in the business. And and I'll tell you, um, I'm very lucky to have you as a friend. Well, we have to get together somewhere. Maybe in St. Louis there's a deli. We have to get together somewhere soon, east or west yeah. coast. I'm going to make that happen. Eddie, thank you so much. God bless and continued success. Pleasure. Thanks, Jordan. This is Jordan thanking you for listening to On Mike with Jordan Rich, available on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and, of course, Android. Appreciate you subscribing, downloading, rating, and reviewing this podcast if you get a chance. On Mike is produced at Chark Productions in Boston. Until next time, be well so you can do good.